Welcome to Last First State Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. This is episode number 397 with Ian Ferguson, transforming how we speak about and experience sex. Hey everybody, I'm Sandy Weiner, and welcome to Last First Date Radio, where we believe it is never too late for love, and that a woman of value naturally attracts the respect and rewards she deserves in life and love. What is a woman of value? She is someone who knows her worth, and she shows up, stands up, and speaks up. Every week, I bring you a tip on how to be that woman of value, and this week's tip is do not settle. I was just talking to a client this morning about how a guy she used to date was talking about how he's just going to have to settle. And she was appalled, <laughs> and as she should be. I think that we have to know what settling means, but I think it's important that we know what we want and that we look for what we want and we don't settle for something that is not going to be a good fit because it really doesn't work. I've done it. It doesn't work. So um, do not settle. And uh, my challenge this week is to look at where you might be settling in any area of your life, whether it's in relationships with a significant other or even in your personal relationships or your work and see how you can up level a little bit. 10% would be great. Uh, before I bring on my guest, I just want to let everybody know that I have a free Facebook group. It's called Your Last First Date, and we are one of the largest growing, most amazing group, I have to say. I have seven monitors who monitor this group every single day, and so we don't allow any negative victim talk. There's, um, If you're unkind and, and mean either to each other or in, in your conversations about dating and men and relationships, we will not tolerate it. So if you're looking for a place that's positive and forward moving and where you will actually learn the skills and tools to find your last date, go to your last first date on Facebook. And now for my guest, Ian Ferguson. He is a master trainer of the Erotic Blueprint Methodology and the co-founder of Jaya Inc. It's a company dedicated to radically transforming how society discusses and experiences sex. His mission, along with 100 certified erotic blueprint coaches, is to release shame around sex, helping people empower themselves to reclaim the pleasure and true erotic expression that is their birthright. I love it. Welcome to the show, Ian. Thank you so much. Very happy to be here. I uh, heard your opening and you were talking about the um, frame of your show and what uh, what um, one thing that struck out to me is women uh, showing up and speaking up. I think that's how you phrased it. Yeah. And that is a vital aspect of really being able to claim that personal power and really knowing knowing how to ask for what you want and not settling for less. I just love that you know, that opening and really what you, the call to action that you have for your followers. Oh, thank you. And I, I'm sure that we will be talking about the importance of communication when it comes to sex and knowing your erotic <laughs> blueprint. So, so let's get into it. And, and just explain yeah, sure. what the erotic blueprint is and you know what, what all the different types are. What do they mean? 
Okay, great. Well, so we could probably spend a few hours diving in. <laughs> so I'll do my best to really dial this in for just at least the intro level. Um, the erotic blueprints are a language of, of erotic expression. And basically, it's like having a person, an erotic personality type. So once you know your type, once you know your type, you get to know what it is that what turns you on, what turns you off. You, you get to understand what the shadows of your blueprint are so that then you can start to clear those shadows and become more open and available for connection, orgasmic connection to your body, more ability to call out um, boundaries and declare consent within your relationship so that you're creating a real safe container to express fully and really discover what is available orgasmically. I think we're all, many of us are like living in sort of like 10% of what's possible when it comes to intimate connection. And the blueprints, um, there are five of them. And uh, my partner, Jaya, is the person who, she basically downloaded these over years of working one-on-one -on -one with clients, started to discover um, what would completely turn on or arouse one person, try that on another person, and it just it's a flat line there's no connection to it they might even be turned off or recoil and over time started to notice this pattern recurring with every client and then started to notice that a lot of the challenges that uh, the couples that she was working with was coming from they were trying to feed each other trying to give each other what they wanted in their own blueprint your listeners may be familiar with the five love languages. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the five love languages, except for sex. Um, so the five blueprint types are energetic, sensual, kinky, sexual, and shapeshifter. And uh, we can dive into each one, kind of give highlights of, of each one. Would that be helpful? Sure. So okay, I'm just cool. taking notes here. So energetic, sensual, kinky, sexual, and shapeshifter. Shapeshifter, exactly. Okay. So the energetic, this is often the most under, misunderstood of the blueprints because there's a lot of people who are walking around in the world with a sexual mask because that's what our society looks at as sexual. You're turned on by um, you know, orgasm and visual imagery uh, of naked bodies and that sort of thing. Well, the energetic is turned on by anticipation. They're turned on by space. They're turned on by tease. And the space piece, the sort of sense of distance of like an energetic could have the, the superpowers of an energetic as they could have orgasms from across the room. You don't have to touch an energetic for them to be lit up and have or, an orgasmic or flat out climax experience. Um, and then the shadow sides of the energetic can be that they're so sensitive that coming into their energy field too fast, too quick, can completely shut an energetic down. Um, and they're, 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 the superpower that I was talking about with their ability to feel orgasm without being touched is one of the primary things to pay attention to if you are an energetic or you're in relationship with an energetic. It's really starting to get very connected to that, that energy, that space that emotional quality and context. Cause an energetic, if that's my Jaya, my partner, she's one of her primary blueprints is energetic. If I come into a room and I'm wanting to connect with her, but my energy is off, she's gonna feel that fully. And then that's gonna interrupt her ability to be able to connect and feel like I'm fully present with her. 
the sensual blueprint is pretty much what, what it sounds like. The, the sensual brings the artistry to sex and it's about the senses being fully alive. Uh, sorry, the senses being fully um, turned on and alive. The sort of where an energetic might have touch that can be off the body or very light and slow, a sensual is gonna want that space collapsed into really contouring touch and connected and all close up. So distance for an energetic and closeness for the sensual. And essential superpowers is they too can be uh, sent into orgasm by things that we don't think of as necessarily sexual. Like you could have a, a bite of a delicious, juicy strawberry and it'd just be like, oh, orgasm. Oh my God, amazing. And sensual is often when eating food or smelling smells or walking into a beautiful environment, you'll hear them emoting through tone, like, mm, oh, oh. You'll notice essential might wear like all sorts of textures of clothing and be, you know, prone to touching themselves while they're talking, or they might want to make connection with you while they're sharing space with you as well. And then the shadow side of the shapeshifter is a uh, often getting caught up in the head. So something's not right in the room. There's a smell, there's a nervousness about your own looks or the smells of your own body or the music's too loud or you left that piece of paperwork undone at the office and it can take the mon monkey mind and completely take the sensual out of their body so that they can't connect and they can't um, reach those deeper places of orgasmic connection. The sexual is pretty much what it sounds like. The sexual is turned on by all things overtly sexual. So they're turned on by um, naked imagery. They, 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 they bring the fun to sex. It's simple. We're here to connect. We're here to um, have intercourse. And as long as everybody has an orgasm, yay, we've had a <laughs> successful experience. <laughs> okay. And for us, what's that? And I said, okay. <laughs> for a sexual, um, sex is like, it literally can feel like um, breath or water. They need it for survival. So a, a sexual um, needs to have sex to relax, needs to have sex to be able to drop in and feel connected to their life and feel like, ah, everything's working. On the flip side, a sensual needs to relax in order to open up their sexual energy. Because if there's all of this activity and you know things aren't right, they can't drop into their body. So you have some, some opposites there with the sensual and the sexual. The shadows of the sexual, um, one shadow is one that really affects the other, the lovers of a sexual more so than necessarily the sexual itself, because often the sexual is so, um, their focus is so directly on orgasm and intercourse that they miss the ride, they miss the pleasure, and often they can miss the connection with their lover and perhaps not be satisfying their lover's needs because it's so orgasm and genital focused. Um, and then another shadow of the sexual is sometimes can be kind of caught in a adolescent sense of their own sexuality where maybe they were shamed early on for being very overtly sexual and then they felt they had to hide that from other people. And then uh, for the vulva body, people among us, if you're a, if you're a high sexual, there can be a lot of shaming. So, you know, 
women are told to not be sexual and not be overt about their sexuality. So there can be a, a collapsing in on the self of sexual shame. Mm. And then the kinky blueprint, which is my primary blueprint, that is a, that is a, a blueprint full of variety. And so what we mean when we talk about kinky is kinky is, is you're attracted to the taboo. And that's whatever is taboo for you. So kinky gets layered in, in the stereotypical imagery of the leather and the whips and the chains and the dungeons and very intense um, dominance and submission kind of connections between people. But when we take it back and we really just look at the basics, it's this thing of like, what is taboo for you? What turns you on that feels like it's naughty or it's the thing that you shouldn't be doing? For some people it is the whips and chains and the, the intense physiological sensation or constriction and, and intense um, dominance and submission play. But for some others, it's really just like, it, it could be as simple as having sex out of missionary style. Like you were taught that this is how you do it. This is what sex is for. It's for procreation. And we're being very naughty by having, you know, sex in doggy style with, uh, and just for our own pleasure. So it brings up that sort of titillation, like, oh, so it, um, it's a different kind of anticipation than the energetic, but it is often this dynamic of um, wanting your desires to be fulfilled and being having them um, uh, withheld. So we also break down kinky into two different types. One would be the physiological or sensation-based kinky, and that would be spanking, um, whips and chains, heavy constriction. And then we have the psychological kinky. And that is often more turned on by the, po by the power games, control and surrender, um, and psychological games of uh, predicament bondage, of like giving somebody a task that there's no way they could possibly fulfill on, and they're going to be considered a naughty boy or naughty girl and be punished if they don't, don't fulfill on the task. So you have psychological and a more sensation-based or physiological kinky, and you can be both. And then there's, you know, the, the world of kinky is vast. They are like um, the, 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 we could be studying kink for 10 years in depth and still not discover everything that's available in that realm. And then uh, the shadows of the kinky would be, the biggest one is shame. So why am I like this? I shouldn't feel this way. Why does this turn me on? That's definitely something in my own journey around kinky that I had to come to terms with. And when working with a, uh, a, master, uh, a master dom, she, we were struggling over this question and she was just like, stop asking why. Just enjoy, have fun. And um, our philosophy around this also is that as long as it's consensual and Every, and it's consenting adults, and you know what you're doing, you're playing safely, then, that, then the full range and the spectrum of sexual expression is available to all of us. And then the final blueprint is the shapeshifter. And the shapeshifter is all of them. The shapeshifter is turned on by everything that every blueprint is turned on by. They want more and more and more. You could be three hours into a lovemaking session with a shapeshifter and be like, uh, okay, I need to take a break. And they're like, wow, we just got started because they, the, the appetite is voracious. 
uh, some superpowers of the shapeshifter is that they have access to all of the turn-ons, all of the orgasmic, um, all the different types of orgasm, and they can be masterful lovers because all of the all of sexuality turns them on. So they can shapeshift to really feed their lover and and supply them and feed them in their needs really really powerfully. The downside or shadow side of that is the shapeshifter is often left wanting. They're shifting to please their partner. They have this voracious appetite and they want to be exploring every which way from Sunday, but um, their partner is one or two of the blueprints and they're just lefting, being left um, uh, unfulfilled. And then we have something that we kind of consider almost as a sixth blueprint, which is the shadow shapeshifter. And that is a shapeshifter that has all of the shadows and none of the positives of all of the blueprint types. So they're hypersensitive in the energetic and they have a hard time connecting with their body. They fly out whenever somebody comes in too close, too fast. Their sensual mind is uh, in constant chatter and nothing is ever right. And they're always trying to fix the situation or control the situation. Um, they're sexual. They have a shame about their sexuality. They're kink. They have a deep shame about their taboo desires. Um, so it can be a very house of mirrors experience for the shadow shapeshifter because everywhere they turn, the brakes are being put on their pleasure. Hmm. So that is, the, that is a really quick download on <laughs> the, <laughs> the entry level point to what the erotic blueprints are all about. Uh, it's really interesting. I've never really studied this and looked at it and mm. it makes total sense. And I think as a, a as a woman who started dating again after a, a long marriage, um, I was married 23 years. I was in my 50s when I started dating again. And a lot of things were not present in my life in my 20s, you know, in terms of how people were expressing what they wanted sexually. And I remember being mm. shocked by a lot of what I saw until I started to understand it better. Um, you know, uh -huh. people were being very clear about their sexual desires, about their kinks. And I think it's great. I mean, I think it, it will eliminate people who are not into what they're into. But right. I, I think what's interesting, though, is when you start thinking about partnership. And so... So let's talk a little bit about that. You mentioned before about the sensual and the sexual, I think, were those sexual, the two that yeah. those two can have some conflict because the sensual is much softer and the sexual is much more about hard touch. And um, so mm -hmm. what can couples do if they have different blueprints? So one, another thing, we, we tend to like to bust the myth of incompatibility. Mm -hmm. So we don't really look at um, what people call incompatibility uh, is really just a, we don't know how to speak each other's language. Um, you know, let's say I meet somebody and I fall in love with them and they speak Spanish and I speak German and there's deep chemistry and like we're turned on by each other but we just don't speak each other's language. I don't say, well, I can't have anything to do with you. You're, you speak Spanish and I speak German and it's, it's over. If we're really committed and we're willing, we're gonna learn each other's language. So being able to bridge the gap, there's a, there's a dissonance that happens between all of the blueprint types. One of the ones that we see show up the most is actually between energetic and sens sexual. 
because those two really feel like they're opposing blueprints and the sexual can have a very hard time relating to the energetics turn on. It's just like, wait, I'm standing 20 feet away from you and you say that you're having these orgasmic sensations. I don't know what that is, excuse me. I don't know how to control that. I, and I, I, it's just weird to me. And for the energetic, it's that collapsing of space. Wait, you're going to for my genitals too quick, too fast. I really need slowness. I need eye connection. I need to be in sync with you in my breath. So once we start to honor each other, and this is just like the five love languages as well. It's like if I'm giving the gift of touch and my partner really receives love through gifts, they're never going to feel my love. They're never going to feel me connecting to them and honoring them and seeing them. So the first step is to understand one's own blueprint and really understand the depth and, the, and the, the possibilities that are available within your blueprint for your pleasure. Learn your body. So then you have the language, the specific language when you're in relationship with someone else to actually say, this is what turns me on. I really want that touch super slow. No, like a hundred percent slower, slower. <laughs> And please, if you go near my lips, that's, I'm going to shut down. But if you really drop into my chest and you can eye gaze with me and breathe with me to learn the language of your blueprint. So then you have the ability to articulate it and invite your lover to give you that touch. And most of us want to succeed in our connection with our partner. We want our partner turned on. We want our partner feeling that desire and attraction. So why wouldn't we take that extra step to, to open up, lose the ego, and really listen and, and hear like, oh, that turns you on. And is it, is it this speed, like this super slow speed, or do you really like faster, much more energized touch? So the blueprints are, are kind of like the decoder ring to a language that I think has been buried or never articulated actually for 10,000 years of human, you know, verbal language driven connection has never been articulated because there's been many, many forces that have, have um, put sex sort of into the closet. And it's now time to empower everybody to have that language, to be able to ask for what they want to get their needs met. And learning your own blueprint is the first step, but expanding into your lovers or your partners or just other blueprints to start to actually embody the turn on. So I have a very high kinky. I have a very high sensual, just naturally. That's, that's what I gravitate towards. And that's my fastest path to arousal. But as I've been doing this work on myself over the last five or six years, there's been a opening and, uh, and, a, and, a, and a expansion into the energetic, especially energetic. I've really taken that one on. And then the sexual. And my expansion of the sexual was interesting. It was like a zero. And Jaya's, my partner again, hers was like way up 40% on our quiz. Like she was way up in the sexual and energetic, almost zero and kinky and sensual. And I'm way up on the sensual and, and the kinky. So opposing blueprints. And, and this actually dramatically affected our relationship early on. We almost broke up. We had our son. We had three years of growing disconnection where, where we both felt like this just isn't working out. We love each other, but we don't know how to connect. And until we discovered the blueprints, we would have gone 
we would have kept going down that path and I, we probably would have ended the relationship. But the blueprints started to give us the access to be able to honor each other and feed each other in the ways that we both wanted to be fed. And um, my own discovery in the last couple of years around sexual is that I was actually carrying a good deal of sexual shame about, about being overtly sexual. I grew up with a, a good boy complex. Like I am not supposed to express my desire for somebody I'm interested in because that's imposing my, my sexuality on them. That's imposing this desire. And I had also inherited and taken on a cultural myth, which is pretty prevalent, which is women aren't sexual creatures. They don't, they're, they're not into sex. And, and it's really just the men who are the dogs and the women who are um, the angelic flowers. That, and and even, <laughs> even in my relationships, <laughs> I'm glad you're laughing at that one because it's, it's silly, right? <laughs> yeah. What I, had, what I had borne witness to in my relationships was that women, many women have a voracious appetite, especially once they're opened up to their own sexual energy and given the freedom to express themselves, they'll outrun me by a thousand miles in terms of desire and their ability to go for more and more and more. But it, but internal, but I internalized this thing. And until I started to integrate that shame and feel into how much it had controlled me, my sexual state in like zero, 7%. And then as I've taken the quiz again and again, over the last couple of years, the percentages started to move up more into like a 17, 20%. It's still not my primary, but I now have more, of an integrated and conscious connection to it. And I can utilize those energies, especially with my partner who is fed very deeply by the sexual. Hmm. Very interesting. Well, we all, I think we all carry blueprints from the past. And it's one of the first steps I do with clients is to look at their downloaded blueprints from their families, from the culture mm. and how they view relationships, how they view the opposite sex, how they view sex, how, you know, it's, it's amazing how when you start to look at it, you realize how many limiting beliefs we carry and how we can really interrogate those beliefs and change them. And mm -hmm. that's a big part of coaching and um, learning about yourself, learning about others, being open, really reaching your highest potential in life and in love really comes with curiosity and um, really getting out of that monkey mind of yep. what we've been told, right? Um, and mm -hmm. sex carries with it so much. I mean, uh, so, so I have a question because in, in my culture, in the, in the world that I live in with, with women over 40 who are dating mostly online, there are a lot of men who reach out to women and wanna engage sexually in some way right away. And I'm sure there are women who do that too, but I can only speak from the woman's point of view. And women get mm. usually very turned off. They think, oh, you're just objectifying me. All you want to know is, um, am, I, am I frigid? <laughs> I mean, those are the kinds of questions. <laughs> like, are you still having sex? Because I know, you know, older women often shut down and are not sexually interested. Just like what you said, it's like women, you know, so there's this mindset out there. And I'm sure a lot of it is just misinformation and cultural and a lot of other things. And so would you recommend anything to these types of women who are getting messages like this about how to handle it? Because I think right now they're just like, 
delete, block, get off my on the online dating app. But there might be a better way. Sure. Um, you know, there's, there's a, a rampant sexual immaturity that is in our culture. Again, people have not been given the language of sexual connection. They've not been really raised on a language of consent and understanding how to enter into somebody's space, whether through the words they're using, the visual imagery they're suggesting, um, or the energetic space and connection that they're holding. And I could imagine that that is a constant and challenging thing for the Volvo bodied among us to be in receipt of so much, um, usually overtly sexual connection or desire to go right to um, sexual connection without, without really connecting first, without really being asked who you are, what are you, what are you about? Let me get to know you, let me, let me find out what makes you feel safe so I can provide that and that you can then open, open to me freely. Um, one of the things that I think is a um, powerful way, especially if we're talking about online dating and setting up profiles, is being really, really clear in saying, hey, this is who I am. This is what I want. This is what's okay. This is the kind of communication that is okay to, to send to me. This is the kind of communication that is not. So if you reach out to me with a nude photo or asking to meet for a hookup, this is not what I'm into. Right. And I will either delete you or, you know, I definitely won't respond to your query. So it's a kind of thing of like the opening to your show of really speaking up and saying, saying who you are, what you want, how you want it. And sometimes I think it can be difficult for most of us to actually know what we want how we want it and because there's just the drive to wanting to have a connection and to create to to, to be able to date to be able to meet people and and connect okay. but you know this is actually a, a trick that we use when um reaching out for new 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 people for our team for our company we'll put a line in there which will say send two paragraphs about who you are and what you think you're, what, what you'd love about this job. Do not submit a resume. And 80% of the people will submit a resume and it's an instant delete. So instead of approaching the world as, as, as hungry, even though there may be this deep desire to connect um, with a, a sense of desperation, come into the core and notice that if you put out a boundary, if you make a clear declaration of how someone's supposed, you've said, this is how I, I feel safe communicating with you, and they break that boundary, don't pass up the road sign, right? It may mean you're deleting eight out of 10 of the people who do actually reach out, but you're increasing your odds and really valuing your time and putting in to that 20%, the 2080 rule, that this person actually said what I was hoping they would say. They did it the way that I requested people do it. They're already honoring me. So now I'm going to take the next step and have the coffee date or start communicating by email. And then it's, it's the trust but verify rule. 
I'm going to open myself and trust because I want to have this kind of open and trusting communication, but I'm going to verify that you're paying attention. And I promise to you, so this is a two-way street, that I will do the same. I will be curious about what turns you on. I will be curious about what, how you feel respected and loved. So if that partner doesn't have those tools, if that person you're dating doesn't have that tools, it's still possible to train them in a way that's gentle, loving, and honoring of, of who they are and where they're coming from at the given moment. Yeah. Uh, I love that. I mean, I'm all about boundaries and communication, as you know, and I think that mm -hmm. uh, the problem is that when people hang on or get angry or um, blame and shame people who are not compliant. So like in, in my Facebook group, I posted, I didn't want to have any more memes about the coronavirus. We're, we're dating and relationship mm. group. I really don't want it in the group. And under that post, yeah. people were posting <laughs> coronavirus jokes. And it was just like, come on, ladies, uh, do you not read? So we deleted them. Yeah. We muted some members. And the next step is you're out. I mean, I, I have learned you have to be clear about what you want and not not lose your cool over it but like just quickly move through people who are you know that 80 percent and so that that goes for how you're hiring how you're getting into partnership in any possible way and with mm. the coronavirus going around now um and my kids are living at home we've had to redesign some of our relationships because we're living in the same space and we have to respect each other yeah. And so it's a conversation and, and it's an ongoing conversation. Here's what's working. Here's mm. what's not. What do you need from me? What do I need from you? And I mean, that's, that's how we end up in mature relationships. Um, right. Yeah. I was just thinking that when you were talking, I, I dated a guy a while back who it was pretty obvious that he really wanted to just hook up. Um, said he was a sapiosexual, which is a buzzword for, yeah, I'm attracted to your intelligence, right? But yes. that really might have been true, but he was really wanting sex. So mm. um, we had a really nice first date. He talked about sex a bunch and it was fine with me. I, I didn't shut it down. Um, second date, he wanted me to come over. I said, no, I'm not comfortable with that. I'd be happy to meet you for lunch, you know, at this point, since I don't know you. And um, we go to lunch and he sits next to me in the booth and he's like, going, can I touch you here? Can I touch you there? Can I do this? Can I do that? And I'm like, I, I want you to know that I don't know you well enough to feel safe with you. And he goes, Oh, and no, I totally get mm. it. And then I never saw him again, but <laughs> I mm. told him what I needed. <laughs> he didn't care. Yeah. And he's like, right. no, totally, totally get it. So that's, that's the other point I wanted to ask. You know, I know long-term couples who've been married for decades where this is a real sticking point where the man always wants sex, does not connect emotionally with the woman. She is so turned off by him being aggressive sexually. Mm. And so she, you know, sometimes will have sex just to appease him, but that emotional piece is missing and he cannot, stick with really shifting into what she needs and they're they've, they've been in therapy on mm. and off I mean they're they're together they're not breaking up but it's it's a really difficult thing and I know that that she's not alone so what do you do in mm. those cases where you have somebody who's really just stuck in a mindset and will not 
comply with what the partner really needs? So, um, as you had mentioned, you know, sex is is a super deep zone of people's conscious and subconscious, and there's inherited beliefs, there's uh, constructive beliefs, there's behaviors. Um, there's a whole there's a whole blueprint beyond the erotic blueprint that is is right there and very informative. One of the most valuable tools is curiosity, right? So when there's conflict, somebody's, somebody's need or desire or want is not being met. And so curiosity and willingness. And often there's a lack of willingness, I think sometimes because people end up getting positional because, well, my needs have not been met. So I'm going to withhold or, or um, stonewall or create a disharmony until my needs get met. It's the thing of, instead of listening to hear first, uh, screaming to be heard by your partner. And when there's so much entrenched uh, behavior, conversational behavior, lack of knowledge of how to navigate these deeper conversations, then that first step is moving into curiosity. First, First, like, okay, well, knowing again, what is it that I really, really want that I'm not receiving here? And then coming to the partner instead of I'm not getting this, give it to me, moving into a place of vulnerability, of revealing. This is really weighing on me. Would you be open to talking about this and and diving into a discussion? Because what this would mean to to me if, if, um, if we were able to share on this level, what this would mean to me is so much. It would just, I would feel loved. I would feel more open to just giving you fully my heart. And, and I'm scared about it because I want our relationship to be amazing. And I'm committed to that. And are you, are you with me on that? And, and perhaps the answer is, well, I don't know, or you're always asking this of me and I just don't know how to give it. And continuing to move into that vulnerability of I understand, and I'm sorry for the places where I've made it harder for you to feel like you you can win with me or feel like um, I'm seeing you. Can you tell me uh, what it is that, that it might be causing resistance for you mm. around having this conversation? And they yeah. still might be resistant. So it's just it's it's this constant unfolding of like also letting them know I want our relationship to be amazing. And then there may just be consistent resistance and and stonewalling and pushing away. And then it moves to the curiosity of is there a willingness? Is there just the base willingness of my partner to meet me in this neutral space where we can really reveal our needs and create new, completely new. Um, habits, new containers of consent, because in a relationship, there's all of this assumed consent. Well, we've been together 20 years. I'm, I'm allowed to put my hand on your knee. I'm allowed to kiss you when I want. And, um, and it's, it's often those things that become these habits that just turn up the volume on resentments of boundary crossings or behavior that, that maybe we did receive, like, we also have to take responsibility. I trained my partner 
in the first half of our relationship that it was okay to just come over and, you know, put their hand on my butt. While every time they did it, there was a contraction and a sense of not being respected. And it meant this, this, and this, and this, but the partner never knew any of this. Mm-hmm. They didn't, they weren't in the conversation. So it's, it's, it always comes back to this sort of self-responsibility first to me of like, well, well, what role have I played in creating the current situation? How can I unwind that? How can I create safety that it's okay for my partner to tell me things that I may actually not want to hear. They may say, I have no libido and I have no interest in sex. Whereas my desire is to be having sex three times a day and connecting intimately all the time. All that is, is information. It's just like, Oh, we have this massive gap. And now let's, let's figure out if we're willing, are we both willing? You know, we want, do we both want just like at a root based thing, a fantastic, amazing, thriving, passionate, connected relationship. Is that what we would really love to be experiencing in this life? So yes, yes. We have a committed mutual goal. Now it's, it's about finding out how do we get there in a way that works for both of us without either one of us compromising. And that's, that can be a really delicious journey with a lot of challenges. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, curiosity and a willingness to, to be very present with our own vulnerability and the real feelings going on, I think is, is at the root of healing those kinds of disconnections. Yeah, that's really beautiful language. And I think what we tend to do is we speak from our wounded self and we're guarded mm-hmm. and we are trying to protect And so it's when you can sink into your vulnerability and speak from feelings and not make it about your five-year-old self that was hurt, you know, a long time ago. And and it's so interesting watching people argue and, and how they start name calling. And it's, it's all Mm -hmm. just that, that wounded self speaking. And uh, so, so sinking into that, you know, taking responsibility for your share, that's huge. I mean, that, that's, that's emotional Mm -hmm. maturity right there. That's just (laughs) incredible work. I mean, it's, it's hard. I mean, most people don't do the work to get there, but this is, to me, this is the best, the best thing you can do for yourself and your relationships. Um, So speaking of which, uh, my final question is how can this work? serve us during this unsettling time that we're going through right now? Mm. Well, hopefully by the time this podcast airs, (laughs) we're through the brunt of it, but who knows? (laughs) Yeah. Um, But the, well, again, this is at the, at the, we did an exercise in our company of really looking at the root of what our work is all about um, several months back. And the core root of what we came to is that this, this work, what we're up to is all about unconditional love. Um, and that doesn't mean without boundaries, without consent. It just means that there's an acceptance and a loving of everything that is arising. And in the acceptance first of something, then it allows the openness to be able to move into a, a place of um, resilience as well as a resourced approach to finding solutions and 
mm, some of the next layers to the erotic blueprint work because it's a whole framework. The, the blueprint personality types is just an entrance point about a language of specific types of arousal and whatnot. But the next steps in the erotic blueprint work are learning how to speak, feed, heal, and expand into, your, into the blueprints. One of the pieces that is vitally, uh, is very vital to a time like this when there's so much separation and physical distancing. We prefer to say physical distancing as opposed to social distancing mm. because we want social closeness, but we need to have physical distance for safety. Is opening up to what is erotically possible. There's an there's a incredible menu of how we can relate to each other, still connect with each other, that, that doesn't require physical touch. And that is in the words we're using, in the way that we're seducing and playing and enticing each other with the ways that we're connecting. Keeping that um, flirtation going, I think it's Esther Perel who says uh, something to the effect of, um, uh, it's not flirtation, but you know, the, the uh, foreplay begins at the end of the latest climax. So operating in a, in a zone of what's the foreplay? And the foreplay is not all about just projecting your energy, your sexual energy onto a lover. It's also about cultivating your own sexual energy, your own arousal, your own turn on, so that it's like a magnet, right? So there's, a, so there's this, you know, sexual energy is, is the creative energy of the universe. We're all here because of it. The, the miracle of birth. It doesn't exist without sex. It doesn't exist without the two coming together. So being able to start to expand the idea of what an orgasm is. So if you're sexual and you're used to touch and, and you've got to have touch and intercourse and the orgasm, the climax to feel satisfied, how can you expand into the energetic where perhaps your lover is you know, 2,000 miles away and you're both sequestered and, and there's no way you're going to see each other for weeks? How can you start to use Zoom or a phone call to use breath work and eye gazing and your language to create that arousal and connection and, and orgasmic delight in your relationship? So learning to speak the blueprints is uh, a really fantastic tool to have when we have this physical distancing. Expanding the blueprints like the energetic where you don't need to be in the same room. Uh, or even in the same state or on the same continent to have connection and arousal. And then learning to play games like the, the, where the kinky blueprint uh, can come into play, where uh, even at a distance, we can be playing submission and dominance games. We can play, you know, voyeur and observed games. There's all sorts of um, possibilities for really extraordinary ways to connect, which have nothing to do with the actual physical touch of one to another. Awesome. I agree. I'm about to give a course on how to connect um, even with people that we haven't met yet uh, and be more flirty and use video as a tool, mm. you know, because a lot of people are just saying, I'm giving up right now. And I'm like, this could be months <laughs> and we all need connection. Like you said, and I like how you reframed mm -hmm the physical um, instead of social, because we are social beings. We need social contact and people actually reaching out more yeah. than ever to people they love 
And there's a way to do it meaningfully and there's a way to do it without any meaning at all. And we can definitely inject a lot into our conversations, into the way we interact. So I love that. Um, yeah. Ian, this is such an interesting conversation and definitely could talk hours. And I would uh, love for you to let people know how to find out more about you and take the quiz, um, your social media, and I'll put all this in the show yep. notes as well. So the really the most direct way and the way that really what I feel serves anybody who's listening to this is to take that quiz. We do ask that you give us your email and you'll get an email that uh, dials in your primary blueprint type, lets you know all the percentages, where your other blueprints rate in the scale. You'll get a video about your blueprint. So it's just a really fun gift and a way to kind of get an introduction into the blueprints. And that is at uh, www.eroticbreakthrough.com eroticbreakthrough.com and that's the best way you know there's there's some social media there is our webpage which is jialove.com um, but that quiz will get you into our ecosystem and really just get you that gift of of the the fun knowledge of your primary blueprint type awesome to share it with a lover and then find out what their blueprint type is it's a great conversation starter so that's where i would send anybody who's listening to the show Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been an enlightening conversation. It gave me a lot to think about, and I'm sure our listeners are going to start thinking about what is their erotic blueprint. I mean, it's, it's a whole new language and a whole new way to see <laughs> sex and life. And uh, so you're onto something really big, and, and I, I appreciate you sharing with us today. So grateful, and uh, it was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you love our show, please rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. And we hope you go on your last first date very soon. Have a great day. Bye.